0: Today is Tuesday, March the 9th. I am your host, KC Phoenix, and this is my daily thought. Okay, let me tell you, I'm doing a daily thought today that doesn't have anything to do with emotions. Well, I guess it doesn't have anything to do with emotion. It it depends on how you look at it. Some people get emotional over real estate, and and some people don't. I'm trying to get comfortable in my chair for those who are watching. But I decided to do do this because some people don't know about this. I didn't know about this until maybe a decade ago, give or take. And the only reason I found out about it was because I worked for a company that dealt with it. Now, let me go ahead and get the caveat out the way. I am not a licensed anything. I'm not a licensed real estate attorney. I'm not a licensed realtor or anything like that. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not a licensed anything. If you decide to go down this path or research some things or whatever. Speak to a licensed professional if you feel you need that help. I'm just telling you some of the things out there that exist and what comes with that stuff. And this isn't even going to be that long because I have some other things I have to do. But with real estate, back in the the housing crisis that happened, which was, when was the housing crisis? 2008, I guess, financial crisis, housing crisis, whatever, of um, 2008. A lot of people were being kicked out of their homes, So it it was like 2008 going into 2010. Lots of people were losing their homes, being evicted. Part of the reason was is because they had these mortgages where they didn't have a fixed rate mortgage. They had an adjustable rate mortgage. For those of you who don't know, a fixed rate mor- mortgage is if you go in to a bank and you're like, okay, I need $250,000 for the house. The bank will say, "Okay, we'll give you a fixed rate. And I'm just making up something here of 5.5 percent over 30 years. If they give you a fixed rate over that 30 years, the payment that they give you will always stay that payment. Is what it will be. But the one thing that caused the housing crisis. Was that there were there was a large group of people specifically in what's considered like subprime category where their credit wasn't that great. And they would take on what's known as an adjustable rate mortgage. The adjustable rate mortgage, it can vary. It will start out one thing, which usually it'll be, it'll stay a certain percentage for like a year or two. And then after that, The rate of the mortgage will reflect whatever the interest rate is in the market at the time. So if the interest rate in the market at the time is 8 percent, then that's what's going to get factored in. If the interest rate is 4 percent, that's what will get factored in. If the interest rate is 10 percent, that's what will get factored in. And then your payments will change is what will happen until another review. And then they'll change again because, again, it's based off of the whatever the rate is for the market at that time for the interest. Okay, And you had a large group of people who did an adjustable rate instead of a fixed rate and where they were paying, let's say, eight hundred dollars a month for their house payment. Their payment all of a sudden goes up to twelve hundred dollars a month or $1,500 a month, or, or whatever. And it's like, okay, we can't afford this. Hence why people were losing their homes. One of the reasons. There were other reasons. There were other things that happened too. When all of that happened, the individual that I worked for at the time, he decided to start a company because all of these people have been pushed out of their homes because they were unable to make their mortgage payments. And in addition to that, when the people were unable to make their mortgage payments, if you're not making your mortgage payments, it's going to hit your credit score. You're you're going to have a foreclosure on your credit, which will make it nearly impossible to get into another home and get another mortgage. Because if the bank Pulls your credit report, and they see foreclosure, they're going to be like, okay, wait, hold on. So that was another thing that was playing a role. And as people were attempting to get back on their feet, they some people did not want to live that apartment life. And for those people, they were open to me back into a home again. There was a company that was created by the person that I worked for at the time, which the company is no longer in business. And the company bought assets, all of the assets, like with foreclosed properties is called, um, I'm doing this from memory here. I haven't worked in real estate in over six years, actually seven. So. Over, Over seven years. I haven't worked in real estate in over seven years. So I'm pulling from memory here. Uh, It's called um, REO, real estate owned property is what it's called. And that is when the bank owns the property. What people don't know is that the banks and other holders of these properties would put the properties up on auction. There was this company called Aquin, O-C-W-E-N is how you spell it. Aquin would have a list of properties that are owned by the bank. They, they handled the, the bids and everything. They would send those list of properties out to companies. Companies could then bid on the properties and whoever has the highest bid, you know, gets the property. All the properties were sold as is. They were sold as is. So once everything was done, um, the deed was turned over. Usually it was a quick claim deed, which in this quit, <laughs> uh, which is Q-U-I-T, quick claim deed, which is more of an as is thing. Uh, they're illegal in the state of Texas, though. In the state of Texas, the quick claim deed, it is, I believe it's called the deed without warranty. You can look that up. Like I said, it's been a while. But I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. I'm 98 percent sure that's what it's called in Texas, a deed without warranty. So then these companies would take these properties. That is what the company I work for did. They would bid on list of properties. Aquin would send us stuff. Bank of America would send us stuff. Royal Bank of New Jersey would send us stuff. Um, What's another I'm trying to think. I think Wells Fargo sent some stuff too from time to time. Most of the stuff came from Aquin is where most of the properties came from for the most part. Uh, usually with uh, Bank of America and some of the other more established banks, we didn't always get lists from them. Aquin, because our when we were bidding on properties, our ability to acquire the properties, we would usually win the bids In the Aquan bid. And also we were bidding for our investors is what we were doing. And the investors would then have their management companies. Now, this is where we go into what I'm about to talk about. What was done. Was called a contract for deed. A contract for deed, a CFD. Is where. It is buyer financed, meaning you don't have to go to Chase. You don't have to go to your local credit union. You don't have to go to Wells Fargo or Bank of America or um, pick another bank, bb Whatever. Sun whatever. Oh, yeah. SunTrust is. Oh, no. SunTrust. And, no. SunTrust is still separate. Yeah. SunTrust. Whoever. You don't have to go to a traditional bank to get a mortgage because with the contract for deed, it is financed through the seller themselves. The seller is saying, okay, I'm going to make a deal with you. You give me a down payment. You make X amount of the payment for X amount of dollars every month after 15, 20, or 30 years. Once all of the payments are satisfied, then the deed is turned over to you. That is the contract. Once you meet these obligations in this contract, the deed becomes yours, contract for deed. And again, you can do your own research and see, and and this is more for the United States, even though there were foreign investors, there were were actually people in the Middle East that were working to invest with the company I worked with. And then there were also people... um, In Eastern Europe that invested with one of the other companies we worked with and bought properties with that company that we sort of traded off of and and things of that nature. But with the contract for deed. The requirements of who is approved is up to the seller. It's not up to a bank. So if the seller's like I don't care if you have a 500 credit score. That's fine. The, because it's the sell, the seller is the one taking the chance. And the property still remains the collateral where if you don't make the payments on time, you obviously would have to be evicted from the home. However, one thing that I notice and I help get people into some homes Doing this, I helped one guy, and all of the properties that we sold were as is. They were, it was like I said, it was a quick claim deed, it was done as is. So, whatever was going on with that property, if someone was like, Okay, yeah, I want to do the contract for deed, I want to buy the property, I want to go through the process, and we would tell people up front, Look, Do your research, check the title, check the utilities, because that was one thing I learned, which was crazy. Let me tell you, in Pittsburgh, I there was this guy and the there was this home in Pittsburgh. He liked the home and he was like, yeah, I can go ahead and fix this up. He was checking into things and I told him, I was like, okay, before you sign any paperwork, before you do anything check the utilities, check if there's any liens, all that stuff you have to do. Basically, you have to do all of that. It's not like with the regular mortgage because if you're going through a, tradi- a traditional bank, they're gonna make sure that you, you're gonna get together with the bank and all of you are gonna make sure everything is on point, that there aren't any liens on the home, There aren't any, there isn't anything with the utilities, everything's on the up and up because the bank wants their money. And anything that will throw you off from giving the bank their money, they're not about to have that. So they wanna make sure that they provide you with the best setup possible when they get you into a home. With this situation, everything is on the buyer. The buyer has to do all of the research. So let me make that clear. If you decide that you wanna consider this, it's all gonna be on you. You have to do all of the research. You can't just sign a contract and then move in. And then you find out there's a $10,000 lien on the home. And it's like, oh my God, I got to pay this lien. Because once you move into that home, you become responsible. But back to the Pittsburgh situation. There was this guy who was interested in the home. He's like, yeah, I went to look at it. I loved it. He called the utility company, the, the water company. The water company had said there's a $2,500 bill on this home. So then I called the water company. This is my first time learning about this stuff because that's what I did. At my job, okay, let me add some context here. I started out on the phones, but later I was promoted and I was the administrative lead of the company and I was a fixer where if something was going on whether it was the president, whether it was the CEO, whether it was the senior vice president of acquisitions, whether it was the senior vice president of finance, whether it was whoever. If there was something going on related to the company that they could not figure out, guess whose desk they came to to say, hey, I need you to figure this out and find out what's going on. More. So I had to deal with all of this stuff I had to deal with. County, state, all types of stuff across about 20 states in the United States, which the contract for deed, this is mostly what I'm talking on. As for stuff outside of the United States, that I I can't tell you. As for the United States, I can tell you things. And I learned a lot of things. One thing I learned in the city of Pittsburgh (laughs) is that the bill stays with the property when it comes to water, which I think is ridiculous. So if someone lived in that home before and they ran up that water bill and they left and they did not pay the water bill, it's not a thing where the bill follows the person. It's just like, it's like, if you, in the state of Georgia, I'll just use an example. If you don't pay your light bill, you don't pay your light bill, that's fine. It's just gonna be on your credit and it'll follow you. But when a new person moves in, Georgia Power is going to turn on the lights as long as that person can prove, hey, I just moved into this home. I don't know the person who lived here. It, it's it's whatever. And they'll be like, OK, we, we see all the proof. We see that you're a new um, resident of the home. We'll go ahead and cut it on. Not in the city of Pittsburgh. They do not care. And they flat out told me that on the phone because I was telling them I was saying to the person in Pittsburgh on the phone, I was like, okay, look, this is this guy is very interested in this home. He did not run up the water bill. It was the person, the previous person who stayed in the home. This is a new deal. I'm like, I can show you the contract. I can show you everything that the person who lived in the home no longer lives there and that this person will be signing a new contract with us. I can provide all of the documentation. They said, we don't care. I was like, so... When it comes to getting your money, how? What if the person doesn't have it? They're like, well, then we won't turn on the water. I'm like, so if the person moves into the home, if they don't pay the bill, then you won't turn on his water. And they were like, correct. And I was like, "Okay." And then they followed it up by saying we don't care where we get the money from. Long as we get the money, if we don't get the money. We're not turning on the water for that property. So know that in certain cities where you may buy a home and do a contract for deed as is, you want to check things like that. Because, again, there could be a a lien on the home on another situation that I had to deal with. I forgot what state that was in, though. I think it was in Ohio. I want to say. Was it Ohio? It might have been Ohio where there was like a $20,000 lien on the home. So when there's a $20,000 lien on the home because it came across um, the president's desk. So as soon as it came across his desk, he puts it on my desk and he's like, I need you to find out why there's a $20,000 lien on this home. I'm like, "Okay." So then I go. And start calling everyone in the city because I I called the first person and they were like, "Um, yeah, there is a lien, but it was due to some construction that happened on the road. I'm like, but who asked for this construction to happen? So then I ended up talking with the engineer of the city who had done all of the planning and set up all of the construction. The city engineer explained to me that all of the homes along that line received those types of links based off of depending on what was um the it was some type of formula that they used to determine which home would receive what amount making sure that everything is equitable so people weren't charged the same where if there was a line that was longer or more stuff that was needed in one area, the other person isn't being charged the same thing. So the engineer was explaining all of that to me and then they explained how everything happened. Long story short, they said, well, it's not something that is due right away. It's something that is included. I believe it was in the property taxes is what it was. It isn't where if the person would have moved in, they would have been on the hook for $20,000 right away. This was something in regards to city construction, yada, 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 and then he broke everything down. I took all of that information, gave it back to the president, yada, 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 and then everything was good. Okay, so then there was another situation in the state of Illinois where the lady had moved in. She had already moved in. She liked the property, she had moved in, come to find out code enforcement and code enforcement is something else. And if you are considering doing a contract for deed, be sure to make sure that there isn't anything related to code enforcement on a home. Because code enforcement can put liens on the home. They can keep you from moving into a home. They can set your home to be demolished. There's a lot of things code enforcement can do. Well, there were things that needed to be fixed on the home. In order to bring it up to code. In this particular city, it was actually a village is what they called it. And. We couldn't get the inspection report And They said in order for us to get the inspection report, we had to put four thousand dollars down. That's what they wanted us to do to get the inspection report for the property. I said, how are we going to put money down on something when we don't even know what needs to be fixed? And that's when it, you know, it got interesting. So what had happened was, (laughs) is I had to, called the mayor's office of that particular city and then get the mayor's office to contact the lead building manager. And then he, the building manager, went ahead and gave me the inspection report, which I had to give to the person who had already bought the home as is because again it's not necessarily our issue anymore and then the home had to be fixed up if the home was not fixed up to meet the um to meet what was required then the person could have been evicted from their home because their home is in violation of code so these are things that you you have to think of when you're dealing with contract for deed as well. If you're willing to go through all of that stuff, if you're willing to do the legwork and the research, and let's say that your credit isn't, you know, super duper great, contract for deed is something that you may want to consider. Because we have people... When I was working for the company I worked for that had a 500 credit score, I think that was the minimum requirement. I think it was like a 500 credit score at the time for the company I worked for. Obviously, other companies will be different. But for the company I worked for, I think it was 500. And at least two years on the job is is what we, I'm pretty sure it was two years on the job, is what we were looking at. And as long as they had that, and I I want to say, of course, the down payment, and again, I'm doing this, this was almost a decade ago. I'm doing this from memory. But as long as they had all of that stuff in order, usually we would be able to get them into a property. And And the cool thing was, is that for the people who did their research, some people were so happy to move into their own home again because they may have lost their home before, that it was it was a really, really cool moment. It was an amazing moment. It was a happy moment. Because some people enjoy fix, you know, fixer-uppers. And that's usually what we told people too. We would tell people, like, hey, just know that this is a fixer-upper. You're you're going to have to um you're going to have to go ahead and do some extra work there's going to have to be some elbow grease there might have to be a little bit of an investment in the property so keep that in mind and they didn't have a problem with it and that one guy that I told you about with the utility company situation in Pittsburgh he went ahead and paid the twenty five hundred. He paid the twenty five hundred dollars and moved into the home and he was fixing it up and everything. So I don't know what the status of it is now, because obviously it's been almost a decade. But when I would check in with him from time to time because we would talk and when when I check, checked in with him, he said, for the most part, He wasn't having any issues with anything. And clearly he wanted it bad enough that he was willing to pay somebody else's $2,500 water bill. To move into the property. So that was pretty that was crazy. So, yeah, but I just wanted to tell you guys about that when it comes to real estate, because I know some people dream of being a homeowner and. Contract for deed is what I call thinking outside of the box. It's it's where you're like, okay, maybe I can't go through a bank. Maybe I can't go into a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a Bank of America or wherever and get a, a traditional mortgage. With the contract for deed, it's an option on the table. But again, if you decide to do that, make sure you do all of your research. Check everything. Because usually with contract for deeds, the properties are as is. It's as is. So whatever's going on, if the, if the air conditioning unit is about to go bad and it goes bad a month after you move in, it's on you. If there's a lien on the property, it's on you. If you move in later and you find out you need a new roof three months later, it's on you. All of that stuff will be on you. However, if you do your due diligence and check out some properties, you might find one that works for you. And in addition to that, You might find a seller of the property, which usually they're property management companies that deal with that, who work on behalf of some investor. Because, again, there are people who invest within the United States and there are foreign investors who invest in the United States. That buy these properties and then they'll hire a management company to manage everything. Is what they will do. And then, of course, the money comes in, they collect the money because they're going to turn a profit. Because when the properties went up on auction to for people to bid on, they might have spent a few thousand dollars on the property. If they get a good tenant. Who moves into the property. And pays their. And I say mortgage loosely, because, again, it's not a mortgage. It's a contract for deed. If they make their payments on time for the entirety of the contract. Then. The the investors have a constant stream of money coming in. So. It's just something I, I wanted to make people aware of. Also, I told you I would take a break from all the emotional stuff too, As well. So I will um, (laughs) leave it at that. So hopefully I told you something interesting today. KIRWKC.com, main podcasting platform. Also, this podcast is on Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeartRadio. The list goes on and on and on and on. K-I-R-W-K-C on all the social media platforms. And don't forget this weekend, I will be doing a mid-month energy reading for the signs. That is, that's my goal. I might stretch it out a little bit. I'm thinking about doing six signs on Saturday and then stretching the remaining signs out going into Monday taking place of the daily thought for a little while. I'm not sure because I, I really, I have a project that I'm working on that I will be announcing. And I've sort of picked Sunday to be that day that I work on the project. And I don't want to um, take any time away from that. If I don't have to. And also I have to make sure I get up the willpower to do wrap up the project, too, because I'm actually already halfway through the project. I just have to finish it. So, yeah. That's what I have to do. But that's all I have. Thank you for listening until next time. Be blessed.